because what you, the unsung heroes in the wastewater industry do, matters. Every Wednesday, join me, Suzanne Chin Taylor, the Doo Doo Diva, a longtime veteran of the wastewater, transless, and civil infrastructure industry, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. I'll also be speaking with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and executives who are going to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Doo Divas Smells Like Money podcast. Today, I have the distinct privilege and honor to be visiting with Lee Selzer and Aaron Gamble of Ace Tank Services, which is out of Alder Grove, British Columbia, Vancouver Metro. So they're from the, uh, what's the parallel that they say? You're, you're, you're above the border, but our friendly neighbors. So welcome to the show, and I'm so glad that you asked to be, you know, part of this project to bring industry know-how to, from industry pros that know how. So welcome, Lee and Aaron. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Suzanne. So when, uh, when you first reached out to me, we met at the recent uh, WET show in Indianapolis. Um, Aaron, you shared with me that you both have a really unique story and history about how you came into the industry. And it's really inspiring because both of you in different ways had to overcome adversity. And so I'd, I'd like for you to share with our audience, what were some of the challenges you had and how you overcame them? And so Lee, why don't we start, start with you and a little bit about you know, your story and your background then we'll move on to Aaron. Okay, um, so East Tank Services, is a local vacuum truck company. Uh, we started from one truck in 1973. Uh, then the owners, um, there was, it was bought by Kathy and Terry McManus in 2000. And they, they built it up from one truck and they got around about five or six trucks. Um, so as they were growing, I was brought on board. I was dating um, Kathy's daughter at the time. <laughs> so that's how family business. I know you wonder how how could a young guy how are young guys getting into the septic industry? Well, I was uh asked very politely if I would help on the trucks one day when they were in a pinch. And uh so I started swamping uh for minimum wage, just helping out on the trucks. And I I it was it was it was different at first. And uh but then after a while, I just I, I started to like like the industry. I like the crew. I like the job. So I came on board full time in um, in 2013. Um, just starting off as a laborer, working uh, working helping on the trucks, and then it slowly it uh, it didn't work out with the daughter. <laughs> so that was a, that was one of one of our challenges. Um, so the, the the bosses were put in. Uh, personal versus business relationship. I'm uh, sure their daughter would have wanted to see me gone, uh, but they just, I was, I was able to overcome that challenge and keep my job. <laughs> so then, um, and now they started working up from there. I got my truck license in 2016 and Ace Tank Services was growing um, at that point. 
Uh, we were up to about six or seven trucks. Um, and then I slowly worked my way up into a leadership role. And um, that's when I met Aaron. So Aaron came, Wood came on board and I trained him um, to be able to the company. And then we just kept growing. And then in 2020, in 2021, March, 2021, Kathy and Terry uh, decided to retire. And me and my wife were in a position, well, actually Kathy wanted us to take it and we were in a position to purchase the company. So we took the company over in March, 2021. And I kind of, and then I moved into a, a more of an office management role. And then Aaron became kind of my right-hand guy. He moved up into my spot and became kind of a uh, lead driver and uh, technician and the, the, the sorts. So, and then the rest is, so it's been a great year so far. It's been a wild year. And uh, here we are. That's fantastic. Because one of the things before, you know, we were going to have the have you come on the podcast is he talked about feeling sometimes as a new business owner or stepping into that role that you wondered, was I going to be at a disadvantage? Could I really make it? Because I didn't have that higher education. I didn't go to college to get a business degree. And so... How did you work through that? Yeah. Um, well, luckily, I had some good mentors in my life. Uh, my father-in-law owns a company. Um, so I kind of saw him run his business and kind of got my entrepreneurial spirit from him. And then um, the pastor at my wife's church uh, was a really good businessman. And he helped uh, convey me through the whole process of purchasing a company wow. and uh, the evaluation process and also working with banks and uh, lenders. Um, so it was a lot. And uh, this was right at the beginning, kind of right in the middle of COVID. So banks were, yeah. uh, were not shy, but interest rates were quite low. So it kind of, and this business is was booming in the middle of COVID and during the pandemic and uh, any recession, like this business will just continue to get stronger as people are at home. And uh, so the business was growing and like through COVID, we got to almost 15 trucks. Um, and now we're, it's kind of, yeah, so that was, it was, it was tough not, I didn't know anything about business and uh, the, the previous owners, it was a mom and pa shop. Uh, so when I, when I took over the business, it was kind of like, here's the, here's the phones and here's a, uh, uh, you know, like a whole locker full of just papers. Yeah. There was no systems in place and it was, so just relying on others. And it's the guidance of my mentors and uh, my support staff. So that's important. I think a lot of people, when they're starting out, they do not recognize the importance of a mentor and that you don't necessarily need that college degree. Sometimes just being out in the field and learning from, you know, that university of hard knocks or real life is, are some of the best lessons. Like I, I think about, having to study trigonometry and wondering, when am I ever going to use this? Never. I, I don't think I've ever used any of my trigonometry. But um, so how about you, Aaron? I mean, he said, you know, he met you, he brought you on board and, and trained you. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and some of the, I guess, obstacles and challenges that you've had that you've, you know, rose to the challenge and overcome. Uh, so in 2019, um, I was finishing off a 60-day drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. Um, 
I, I learned how to drive a vacuum truck in the oil patch uh, between the years of 2011 and 2015. Um, and, you know, it was, it was good money. It was fast money. Um, and I made poor choices in my life that led me down the wrong path. Um, I guess uh, I'm really super grateful that uh, you would give me the opportunity to, to touch on this because my path was a dark one, a very, very dark one. And um, I, I was into everything, a any drug you can think of, any alcohol you can think of, I was putting it into my body to escape uh, myself. Um, that brought me to treatment um, from, so I'm originally from Victoria and got into treatment in Maple Ridge, which is part of Metro Vancouver. And upon completion of my 60 day program, I was working with WorkBC, uh, helping to update my resume and such. And so in the final week of my program, I had reached out to Ace Tank Services, um, still at the time under the ownership of Terry and Kathy. And I, I hopped on the bus from treatment, which was an hour and a half bus ride for my job interview. I got there, it was snowing out, it was cold. I, I'll never forget it because my cowboy boots were just soaked by the time I got back on the bus to go back to Maple Ridge. And, and I had had a, a interest from a couple of different other companies and I don't know what it was. Um, when I had left the interview, I was super pumped just that somebody, cause I was honest with them right from the word go, you know, like I'm, I'm in this treatment center um, for drugs and, drugs and alcohol. Um, I'm going to be moving over to the second stage housing and um, trying to rebuild my life. So I was really upfront and honest with them. And um we were both really excited when when I left the interview and I had explained to him that you know I do I do have a couple more interviews that um you know what I'm learning with life is to keep your options open and um you know I'll, I'll probably go and do these other two interviews and make a decision on where I want to um you know plant my feet and I don't know what it was I got on the bus and something told me like hey Aaron like this this guy is a good guy like he's a mom and pop shop he's got the equipment he's he's it looks like I don't know maybe God touched me on the shoulder I have no idea but I called him on the bus ride I actually called my other two interviews and I said uh I'm not going to make it to my interviews I think I'm just going to go with this guy and I called Terry back and I said yeah I I I'm, I canceled my other two interviews. I want to come work for you. And so my 60 day program ended. I got my certificate on day 61. I met up with Lee here and I got into that truck and I haven't looked back. So wow. um, I, again, I'm really grateful you'd ask me to touch on that because to anybody that, out there that's listening um, and, and any other employers out there, you know, there, they are few and far between where people do, you know, reach for the stars and, and are able to touch them. But um, you might just find the diamond in the rough. And, um, you know, that that person, that recovering drug or addict or alcoholic might just be the person to catapult you into the next stratosphere with your company, because 
and not to toot my own horn, but the, um, the opportunities I've been given, I've just taken them and I've ran with them and I'm not, I'm not slowing down. I'm not looking back. Um, and to touch on even more adversity since Lee took over the company, actually, I actually suffered a stroke last year at 40 years old. So in August, um, and I tell you, I think I kind of set the bar pretty high for people calling in sick because I worked an 11 hour day in the heat wave while I was having my stroke. And then I went to work the next day and worked another eight hour day. And I looked in the mirror and the left side of my face was drooping and I started to have chest pains. And I called Lee and I said, Lee, I think I got to finish this job and go to the hospital because I am not in a good way. And sure enough, I got there and found out I, was, I had suffered a stroke the previous day. Wow. So, you know what, Lee, Lee kept, he kept behind me. He said, look, Aaron, like I, I was not allowed to drive commercial vehicles for a month after my stroke. And Lee said, hey, like, let's keep you working we'll get you in a truck training a couple guys you don't have to drive and so I think I took three days off and I was right back in the truck and training guys and um, I'm just not letting anything in my life slow me down I had I made excuses my entire life and when I look back I was actually having addictive tendencies at the age of 12 or 13 years old and it just uh, I've I was full of excuses why I couldn't work, why I couldn't go to school, why I didn't want to show up for work, why I didn't want to have good work ethic. And it's, it's just all bogus. It was, it was my addictive mentality, I guess. Wow. So, so Lee, what was it? I just have to ask, what was it that you saw in Aaron knowing his situation, but you kind of, you know, you, you kind of looked past that. What was it that you saw that made you feel, I think I want to take a chance on this guy, that there's, there's something, there's something here that other people aren't seeing. Yeah. Well, he was absolutely dedicated. Like I, we've trained lots of guys who, um, mostly it was the, it was, he would come to the box. He would drive to the bus every day. Like we'd start at six and he'd be on that bus at 4am and he'd be at that yard for six in the morning. And after we worked a 12 hour day, he'd have to bus two or three hours back to wherever he was going just to probably sleep for four hours, shower, and he'd come right back. And um, a lot of guys have said they'll do that and they don't follow through with it. And Aaron followed through with it. And to see him just work his way back from nothing. And then he bought his first vehicle and then he moved out and he found a woman. And it was just great to see him grow. And you could just tell the way he was buying into the program. And uh, just the way he talked about it, he was so open about it. And uh, you could just know it was going to work out for him. And it reflected in his work. We had every customer would call us and just say, Aaron, that guy was just so nice. Like, where do you find that guy? He's like, you, he was a great ambassador for your company, people would say. And, and uh, yeah, Aaron just is, uh, he's just, you can just tell he's just happy to be here and uh, it shows in his work. That's fan that is, that's fantastic. So, you know, thank you, Aaron, for your transparency and telling that story, because I, I think, you know, for people who are in recovery, it takes a lot of guts to admit their choices and to do it in a very public format, you know, outside of a meeting room. Um, so, you know, 
thank you for that. I, I do. I, I honor that. I honor that bravery. I, I really do. So um, when, when we were talking earlier, you know, here's, here's another adversity that we're all going through right now as business people is that, you know, post COVID and everything that's been going, going on is inflation. Costs for everything are going through the roof. And so that is making it so difficult for business owners, especially small, small companies, to keep their profit margins healthy, keep their staff working, you know, and profit is not a dirty, dirty word. You know, we are in business to make a profit. Not that we want to gouge our customers, but let's face it, we're here to make a profit. And so you shared with me some interesting tips on how you as a company have been able to battle the inflation, keep it under control, and be able to pass on those price increases to the customers and not let it be a negative thing. So can, can you share with me some of these things that you've been doing as a company internally to keep your profit healthy and also how you're dealing with your customers when you have to tell them, hey, it's going to be a little bit more than it was the last time. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, it's actually been, we took a really big struggle in the last year because not only has our fuel prices doubled, um, but our local wastewater treatment plants have increased their disposal rates for the first time in the last 20 years. So, um, so for instance, we were paying ten dollars uh, per cubic meter, and now we are paying twenty. And so these, these, this. So what I do with the customers, I just try to be totally transparent. Um, I try to be upfront with my costs. Everyone can see fuel prices, um, so they know their fuel prices have increased. But I tell them you can go. Anyone can go online and see what we're paying. Get rid of your, uh, rid of your septic tank, and um, then we charge hourly plus disposal rates. So, and the hourly can't be. If there's ever uh, a dispute with the hourly, uh, we have GPS on all the trucks, um, so we can explain to the customer how long each job took. Um, so that we just it's just important that even as um, everything else increases, if you if we, if we piece it down into um, a fuel surcharge, uh, traveling costs, and then disposal rates, our prices become very fluid, and um, you can fluctuate with the rising overhead. So it keeps your margins. Um, as close as possible, even during trying times like this. But you definitely, so whenever it needs lot, lots of blowback from the customers and it just requires a lot of education. So what, how do you explain stuff to them? Because I remember you were saying that some other, you know, your competition may say, okay, well, we've got a, a base charge and then there's a surcharge for this and then there's a tax for this and another surcharge for that. Another, and yeah that they're going to bristle at that. And so how do you, in the face of all this, how do you package it and sell it to the client? Like, what do you say to educate them to, I would say, get them to buy in? Mm -hmm. um, well, I always encourage people to call around and um, do your, do your research, uh, call the other companies, get your prices. And uh, we are, we will be competitive our, we do the same. So our, our rates are very competitive uh, and we always try to be um, right in the middle. And then we bring a whole nother element. I just always tell our customers that we bring a whole nother element to the job um, way beyond what other companies are providing 
uh, for basic septic tank pump pumps. Which you, tell me about that when you're saying what else? What is that other element? If if you if it's proprietary and it's your secret sauce, then don't. No. But you no. know, to, to the extent I, that you yeah. can share, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know how it works in the, in the states. Um, in different, every different region has their own uh, wastewater bylaws and their tenancies. But here in the Vancouver area, uh, we have what called authorized persons. Um, so there is a governing body, uh, that applied science technologist company, who puts out a set of curriculums and they they certify who is considered an authorized person under the sewage system regulation in in BC. And you do not have to be an authorized person to pump septic tanks. So anyone can buy a truck and anyone can go pump septic tanks. So you're seeing you, you were a typical service that anyone thinks might be similar. It's not because here we have all of our guys trained um, to become authorized persons. And uh, we're, yeah, so we, yeah. Well, I think I think I think what Lee is trying to say is like we he's dedicated himself he's taken his vision of uh, where he wants Ace to go, and um, he is getting us all educated um, through the curriculum through all the mandates that are required by law, and he's got our staff now being trained up um, to be authorized persons. So that element that we bring, we're the first company of its kind. I don't know of any other company in the lower mainland or Metro Vancouver area that actually has an ROWP, which is a registered on-site wastewater professional working in a pumper truck company, let alone being an owner. So he's actually stepped his game up to try and get three or four or five of us to school and get our ROWP certification as well. So we're not just your septic pumper truck. I'm, I, I'm not a guy that's just going to come here and say, okay, uh, I'll open your lid and take your crap and, and get out of here. Give me your money and get out of here. So not only are we in the middle of the pack um, when it comes to our cost, uh, for services, but we are educated. We can walk into a backyard and without even opening the tank, sometimes we can tell you where your problem is. Um, Lee takes a lot of phone calls 24 hours a day, and he's able to walk somebody through the issue they're having without even showing up on site. We can fix a problem where we don't even have to leave the comfort of our own home. That's wow. how educated and knowledgeable we are on the system. So and, and I'm a firm believer that the more educated our customers are on their system, how it works, what the potentials are for error, um, and the more work they do, it makes our job way easier. And so, excuse me, that keeps our costs down as well. Wow. Yeah, because uh, something that you were, uh, that, that training program you were saying, it's, you know, it's probably not inexpensive for you to do that, to get these people certified. But when you, when you told me earlier, that you don't have to have any license or education. Anybody can buy a truck and be a septic hauler that, okay, it seems like it would be easy, but it's actually not. And I remember you sharing, Aaron, with me that you'd be surprised how something that appears simple on the surface is really easy to mess up. 
And so can you sh share a little bit on that for me? Like what can go wrong if somebody doesn't know what they're doing? And, and, and I want to speak to this because there may be business owners, contractors, where they may be a skilled person, but then they bring in someone that they haven't trained and how that might be able to hurt their business, you know, coming at it from that angle. Well, I think it starts with the, uh, the equipment you're operating to begin okay. with. Um, we have a, an amazing shop guy. Um, he keeps our, our, our equipment in tip-top shape. Um, but knowledge of how to operate that system, of course, being up here in Canada, north of the border, uh, we do have some pretty cold days. Uh, Vancouver's not so bad, but yeah, we, we do dip below. So, um, for instance, winterizing your equipment. Um, it's super, like it's an absolute necessity to winterize your equipment. So when you go to fire it up the next morning at 10 or 20 below, it's going to operate, it's going to fire up and it's going to run. Um, yeah, I, I've had countless situations where uh, another pumper truck company just showed up, cleaned the tank, um, but wasn't able to give um, the owner of the house any kind of feedback as to what the problem might be and all I had to do was look down the inlet or the outlet to see that oh hey there's there's a bit of an issue here and and that's it all it takes is that little bit of extra knowledge or that little bit of extra care I guess to just say hey your issue is here I can fix it for you and um, you know I, sometimes I feel bad because now I have to charge them not just for a tank clean, but for the repair. And they just had their tank clean, you know, a week or two ago. But I think um, that's the reputation we're starting, well, well, we've had for a long time, but we're really reinforcing it now that, hey, you want to call these guys because they're actually knowledgeable. They go above and beyond and they take the time to talk to you, show you what's going on, educate you. And, um, Again, call us anytime, day or night, and, and we'll walk you through whatever we can. Um, and if not, we have a 24 to 48 hour turnaround. We can be there next day, sort of deal. So um, I, like I don't think a lot of companies offer that kind of uh, quick service. Um, that I, I, won't, I won't go and say courteous because I think a lot of people do have that mentality. But um, I think for some people that don't have any training or have that mentality of oh I'm just another butt in the seat and you know I I, I don't get paid to really care about where your mm -hmm. stuff is coming from and where it's going I don't really care I'm here to clean your tank and I'm out of here that's that's not the way we operate at all I remember Lee you were saying that uh sometimes when you get out there and even you Aaron uh when you get out there someone may assume oh it's time to clean my septic tank it may not be, it may be. And that if you get out to the site and find, well, you know, you really don't need this right now. That you may charge for the call, but you're not gonna clean something and charge them a full pump where you could, because they're not gonna know, but you don't do that. You'd rather walk away and say, hey, listen, you're not gonna need this for another year and a half. So here, I checked this out. I got rid of that little problem. It wasn't related to the tank being, like you were saying, uh, Aaron, it, it, your problem wasn't related to your tank being full. It was related to this. I fixed that. 
call me in a year and a half when you actually need it pumped out. And I think that there probably aren't a lot of companies that take that attitude. No, you know, no they want to get the. Yeah. <clears throat> so all of our trucks are equipped with sledge judges. And uh, so we are, we know all the guys are trained how to properly assess sludge levels in a septic tank and they're, they know when to pump and, and how to project pump out frequencies. Uh, so, you know, you may have lost out on, you know, 50% or by not pumping the septic tank that day, but I think we, you're going to gain that customer for a lifetime. Uh, they, they, they will respect that. And, um, and so they'll call you for not, maybe you might've lost out on one pump out, but you might've gotten two or three down the road for the lifetime of that system. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, and the word travels fast. Yeah, but hell, they were great to deal. They were absolutely great to deal with. So yeah. what are some of the other things, you know, in in charging, you know, like having to charge your customers more? What have you, we talked about a little bit about value add, you know, so it's that, that perception, obviously the service we were just talking about in the training, but what else have you been bringing to the table for your customers to make, I guess, swallowing the larger fee a little more palatable these days, you know? Um, well, again, I tell them to do their own research and they, <clears throat> it, it's going to go up more. It's, it's going to get more expensive every year. Um, so you're doing it this year. Sure, it's gone up, up more since last year, but it's going to get more expensive. So by doing it now, you're, you're saving money in the future. Um, I'll tell them that. And, uh, and I'd also remind them that you do pay sewer bills. Um, so a well-maintained septic system, if you, if you price out uh, uh, the pump out frequencies over three years uh, compared to sewer bills monthly for three years, it's actually quite comparable. Okay. Something I just wanted to know up in your area, just out of curiosity, because there's been a lot of movement in the United States to get everybody off of septic and onto public sewer. What's, what's it like up in your region right now? Um. <clears throat> Every time the sewer goes into a neighborhood and you get subdevelopments, those people just move further out and, and create more rural properties. So there's no okay. shortage. Some people always ask me, don't you think septic tanks are like a dying industry? Like they're constantly being replaced with, with sewer. Um, but uh, it's actually a growing industry. And uh, as septic, yeah, as septic uh, treatment becomes more and more popular, uh, they're creating uh, more and more septic tanks and treatment plants that need servicing. And um, there will always be new <clears throat> rural developments being built and um, lot, large areas of uh, what we call agricultural land reserve. Um, so there's areas around here that will never become development. It'll always be farmland. And um, so we'll always have uh, septic around here. Now, as far as you know, types of septic, do you see trends or certain things being installed over others? Like is it for, <clears throat> for new or people are having to replace? Yeah. Yeah. So we have one large uh, wastewater treatment plant company here in the Lower Mainland, and uh, uh, basically whatever they're selling is what gets put in the ground. So um, every seems every couple of years uh, something new comes into the industry. Um, uh, it was the EcoPod treatment plant. It was a Whitewater from Delta for a long time, uh, Delta Environmental, and now we're onto the uh, <coughs> the MDBR systems. Um, the bioreactor system. Right. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's constantly changing, but there'll just be, uh, it goes in stages every three to four mm -hmm. years, five years, uh, just be constantly one product and then it'll switch to the next one. 
okay. as new development, new technology comes in. What's been your preference? I mean, what do you like to, I mean, just thinking about the industry and oh, servicing and for customers, like, because I know you do installation. So if you have a customer yeah. that wants something, what are you kind of leaning towards to recommend for your customers now, just to make it life easier for them as well as you? Yeah, I'm going to give a good plug uh, to Elgin. Okay. And so it's a, why would a, a septic tank company want to install Elgin's? Because it's in-ground treatment and there's no tank to pump. But uh, it does it does produce type two effluent. Uh, that's what we call it. Uh, we call it type one, two, three. That's how we break down the different forms of uh, treatment. So we produces type two effluent uh, in ground treatment. So no maintenance, uh, no tanks to pump, no air blowers, no uh, no electrical fees. Um, so that's it's been a really good product to design with and uh, and install. Right. Well. Anything else you want to add, you know, just like your, your, I would call them your pearls, your pearls of wisdom for your peers that, uh, you know, are, are facing a lot of the challenges it, that you have faced. What would you say if you had to pick one thing that they should definitely make sure that they do to ensure success? Yeah, um, you stay strong in your prices. Um, people are, are price shopping and they'll try to work you down and if you and, and, and have a relationship with the other pumper companies, like if you guys are just going to keep undercutting yourself, you're just going to be, it's just going to be a race to the bottom and you're going to be out there doing work for free so that your competitor doesn't get it. And it, it, that's just the whole way to do business and it wrecks the industry. So you all have to agree on a standard and a price that works for everyone and you have to stick to it. Okay. Aaron, anything to add here? Maybe more oh. from an operator standpoint, like I would say, how to ensure to have a great career in this industry, maybe? Um, I, I have to admit that um, a lot of my attitude now comes from um, my attitude of gratitude and, and, and my life in recovery. But if I was to say, give any advice to anybody, when you go, when you're dealing in a customer service industry, and, and I know it can't be translated a lot to other other um, customer service industries, but when I show up to somebody's property, um, I'm on their property. I've been invited there. I've been asked to come there and provide a service. Um, it doesn't matter who that person is. I am your best friend. You're, you're paying me to take whatever I need to take away and to fix whatever you need to fi have fixed. Um, you're my best friend for that half hour, hour, hour and a half that I'm on location. Um, I, I try to just be that person's best friend for the five. I give, I'm attentive. I pay attention to their questions. I resolve their issues. And if I can't resolve, I'll leave only a, ever a phone call away. And it, it takes, it takes no time. It, it doesn't take any time away from my job. It doesn't take any time away from what I'm doing as long as you're attentive and you and you can treat people with common courtesy, decency, and respect, um, it goes a long way, and it builds uh, it it builds a relationship that I I've, I think I've got a a lot of, of repeat yeah. callers that say, hey, send that guy back again. Um, I loved what he did, and, and even if I didn't fix the problem, I usually can, and that's not an issue. Right. But like. Hey, that guy, 
he respected me. He respected my property. He did a good job. I want him back. That's great. Well, guys, you know, thank you for, you know, reaching out um, to want to be on the show and to, you know, share your remarkable stories of really just growth and resilience. I mean, just two different paths, but you're both, it's, it's almost like this, the sky's the limit for you guys. I, I expect to hear some really interesting things coming down the pike from ACE tank services and you, you being a, a dominant force up there in your region. And uh, who else? Maybe, maybe you'll go uh, Canadian wide, you know, sell it as a franchise. Here's, here's our model on how to do it right. Just like McDonald's did, you know, so thank you again for being on the show. And for those who would like to know more, um, gentlemen, what, what is your website address? Uh, AceTankServices.ca. .ca. All right. And uh, I'm sure that you're either on Facebook or LinkedIn. I hope you are. I encourage people to reach out and connect with their peers on the social media channels and exchange information just like we are today. And so thank you for joining us on this week's episode of <coughs> the Smells Like Money podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, keep it flowing. Thanks for joining me, the Doo Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show because that would help us out a lot too. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, email guest at smellslikemoneymedia.com. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the topics you'd like to talk about, and we'll be in touch. For more information about our family of marketing, international business development, and workforce training companies dedicated to the empowerment and education of our industry, call us at 760-217-8010 or email me at raven at creativeraven.com. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be, you're my superheroes.